Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 556 for July 28th, 2018. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchotts, and he is back with PBS Programming by Stealth, episode 59 of X. How are you doing today, Bart? I am doing fine, although I am... It's a good thing I have fresh Helma coffee, because due to various meteorological and culinary events, we're recording this a little bit later than planned. So I'm I'm very much coffee-powered at the moment. (laughs) Well, that's good. And I would like to let the audience know that that sound you may hear in the background is a wet saw sawing tile as my uh, bathrooms are retiled. There won't be any getting away from it for the next months. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> well, it sounds less dramatic than the smashing sounds. I can't remember where it is you played those for us, but you, definitely on one of your shows you said, you know, and this is why I didn't record for Dawn, and it was just like smash, tinkle, clang, bang, wallop. Oh, yeah, that was actually a jackhammer going off. And then there's the, oh. uh, my other favorite is the electric screwdriver. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's awesome. I would quite like to take a jackhammer to a tiled room where the intention was to destroy every tile. I think that could be quite therapeutic. It's like bubble wrap well, for adults. I did make them let me go at it with the uh, um, with a, a hammer, not a jackhammer, though. So. Oh, it's even more therapeutic. <laughs> right? Yeah, he laughed. He goes, yeah, you enjoyed that for about five minutes, but... Yeah, okay, I wouldn't want to do a whole house. I'll, I'll grant you that, but it was, you know, I'm sure it's fun. Right, right. All right. Well, we should probably get stuck in here because we're starting late and uh, we got to keep going until your coffee, uh, make sure your coffee holds out, right? Yeah, well, it's quite a big cup, but yeah, we should start off. So um, where where had we left our little adventure? Um, so last time we learned about the bootstrap breakpoints. So there's sort of this implicit breakpoint, which is called extra small, which you're never going to see because it's implicit. If you don't say a breakpoint, eh, it's extra small. Uh, Then there's small, which is SM, medium, which is MD, large, which is LG, and extra large, which is XL. And the way they work is that small covers everything from small and bigger, medium covers everything from medium and bigger, large covers everything from large and bigger. And uh, also the way it works then is that the specificity goes the other way around. So large trumps medium trumps small trumps extra small. And hence you have the ability to have your page behave very differently depending on what width the viewport is, if we're going to be all correct about our words. I uh, liked that part of the homework. I enjoyed that. Well, and, good. I, and I'm saying that because there was a part I didn't like, but uh, we'll get to that. Okay, so um, we've only seen these breakpoints so far in the context of the bootstrap grid. So that's our 12 hypothetical columns, so we get to place our real columns into those hypothetical columns. Uh, but th- those same breakpoints are actually available to us in some other aspects of Bootstrap. So I I keep saying that Bootstrap has four aspects. So there's the utility classes, there's the terribly named content classes, which are basically styles for normal HTML tags, and then there's the grid, basically the layout components, so the grid and the breakpoints we've just spent the last uh, few weeks on. And then there's the final bit we haven't come to yet, which are the components, so that's where we're heading to next. Uh, But we're actually going to double back this week because I intentionally skipped over some utilities and content classes because, in fact, some of them are breakpoint aware. So you can have them behave differently at different breakpoints. And I didn't want to confuse you with that until we'd had time to learn breakpoints in their more normal context. Now, the word sum is very important here. Uh, It's not that 
all of the classes have breakpoint versions. It's not even that most have. Some have. And actually, in my head, it was more of them. But when I actually sat down throughout the show notes, I was like, oh, well, that's disappointing. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so, yes. So we should look at them all because basically there aren't that many of them. Uh, as usual, zip file with some sample code we'll be working through. And that zip file also contains my sample solution to the challenge from last time. But of course, again, since we're each working on our own recipes here, it's just a sample, right? Your, yours is going to be completely, totally, and utterly different to mine. Um, so the challenge set last time was pretty straightforward. Um, take your existing recipe. I had said make it look good at sort of normal desktop laptop size screens. And this time the challenge was make it look good on all sizes of screen. Uh, so basically, apply the breakpoints is what that boils down to. Right. That that was pretty. That was pretty easy. That seemed to make sense to me. Okay, well, that was the only part of the homework. So which part made you cranky? Well, the, you also told us to work on the reordering thing. If that made sense, yeah. Right. And so I wanted to try to do that, and that didn't work for me. So I have, uh, in my recipe, I have a column, I have a row. Mm-hmm. There's two columns in it. They're all in the same container. So container, row, two columns. Mm-hmm. And the column on the left, the f- the first thing logically would be first. Mm-hmm. The second thing would logically be third. The first thing in the second column would logically be second. And I don't think I can do that. I can't take one from column one, one from column two, and then went back to column one again and uh, and and set those in that order. No, uh, so to, for, no for readable for screen readers and for SEO. No, so there are yeah, so there are the reordering is powerful, but you do have to it it, it isn't limitless. Um, so. Within a row, you can reorder the columns any way you like, but... But not the things within a column from... Can't be jumping column to column or anything. Precisely, yeah. So basically, each one is like a little bucket where you get to arrange everything inside the bucket. But if you have a nested layout with a container inside a container, or, you know, so a column that contains another row or whatever, then when that first column is moved, everything in there goes with it. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think that that was – I actually like that I ran into this problem because that's how you always learn, right, is what what are the limitations? What can this do? What can it not do? And in this case, I wouldn't have been willing to sacrifice the order for screen readers and SEO in order to make it less readable for people looking at it. Because what I wanted, for example, was equipment on the left and the ingredients on the right, and then the next thing down the left is the instructions, yeah. Now, well, logically, you'd want equipment, ingredients, instructions, but I can't do that and have them in two separate columns. Yes. Now, you see, the thing is, though, so I slightly, in this case, we, this is kind of a good illustration. So I said last time that Bootstrap is written to be mobile first, and that's not how we wrote this recipe. We didn't start off thinking, let's make it right on a screen and then figure out how to, or write on a small screen and then figure out how we can make it also look good on a big screen. We did the exact opposite. We started on a big screen and figured out what we really wanted and then tried to reverse engineer it, and it didn't work. And that's what will pretty much always happen, which is why Bootstrap suggests you design the other way around. So this is basically... I don't know that I would have done it any differently, though. You could have, hypothetically, right? I could have, hypothetically, done it differently. I don't know that I would have. So if the the guideline, not a rule, Mm -hmm. is that it should be better mobile first, then it's going to look... 
it's going to be less readable and and not as logical when seen on a reasonable size screen. But the thing is, if you had been working the other way, would you necessarily have nested everything in the same way? Would you have ended up with a very I, different I, starting I point? Nest, I didn't nest them. Uh, well, I, I actually, maybe I don't know what the word is. I didn't do a, a row inside of a column or anything like that. I've got a row. It's got two columns, left and right. Okay. And the the left column... The most important thing that they see first is the equipment. The right column is showing the most important thing they see second, which is ingredients. So okay. I want them to see equipment ingredients at the same time side by side. And that's the way it's showing on a big screen. How would I do that on a small screen? And um, have it still look that way on the big screen? You could have another way to go is always to float or to go with a three column layout. So if you go with a three-column layout, then you can have two things. You basically have three things of equal importance. Then. So you can have one that goes left and one that goes right that get promoted up to the top. Yeah, but then the stuff that comes after would be sitting outside of all that and, and floating down below instead of being nice and compact and filling up all that empty space. That's what I kind of liked the way yeah. the columns worked. But see, see, the thing is, but like you say, it's a guideline, right? It's a, gui- it's a guideline, right? And the thing is, there's no way to know what you would have done if you did, if you designed it the other way, because you would have been thinking very differently. So I, I, it's almost impossible to imagine how we would have done it differently if we'd started the other way around. Yeah, yeah, but that, but maybe that'll be. I'll look back on this one later the next time I design and start with the mobile first. Yeah, and I mean, when you were designing your layout, you weren't thinking, "How will I also make this work on mobile?" Because I had intentionally not clouded our minds with that, right? Because that would have really hindered yeah. our learning. So yeah. this is kind of a teachable moment that has kind of been engineered to happen because you do have to think about the whole widget. And the thing is, what you'd think about actually isn't how to make it work on every screen size. You, the first thing in a real-world scenario would be, what screen sizes do I care about? And then anything that you decide is not in scope, you just ignore. And then you only test your layout in the sizes you care about. So in some projects, that means I only care about Excel. Well, that's easy. Actually, yeah, and you know, now that you bring that up, I probably should do it the other way around because uh, the chances of somebody doing a recipe on a 27-inch cinema display... Not as high as if it's on a phone, huh? Yeah, or to, well, to me, the ultimate cooking device is an iPad. I don't know of a single more kitchen-friendly yes. computer than an iPad. So Absolutely. medium, MD is nice probably... stand. Yeah. yeah. So I think MD is probably the size that recipes have to look good at, the break point. Yeah. Um, I did like and found useful the, the doing the break points and having them pop down and stuff. It was just the reordering that didn't ever, it didn't quite sync up. But I, I, I see your point. I see your yeah. point. And as I say, all design is compromise, right? So, yeah, it's always, it's always, you never, you can never have your cake and eat it. You're always having to choose. It's like, mm, I have to choose between these two things. So anyway, I, I also had to make decisions. Um, and... Uh, so I decided I was going to, to sort of stick to my guidelines that I was trying to preach. And so um, I, I sort of, I did my best to have everything ordered in a sensible sort of a way. And um, let me think. So the first thing I decided to deal with was my header, um, which um, basically it looked really good on a wide display, but as soon as I tried to start to sh- the display started to shrink down, it, it didn't make any sense because it had the, the display heading and then next to it was the, the lead paragraph, which worked really well on a big screen, but absolutely catastrophically failed on a smaller screen. So obviously what we want to happen is for those to collapse one under the other. And uh, so the easiest way to do that would be to, to change it from call nine 
to call dash 12. So in other words, by default, we will be full width on the display header. And then follow that with a call LG9 saying, we'll go the old way for large and bigger. And then the second column gets a call 12 and an LG3. So that means that until you're, as long as you're smaller than LG, they're both full width, so they stack one under the other. And then as soon as you hit LG, they become 9-3, and so they go next to each other again, like they used to be. And that works. So I'll tell you one thing that doesn't work in yours, for in my opinion, uh, hmm. is that you've got your your uh, header there. It appears to be a sticky top. It is a sticky and top. So that doesn't work at all on, on small, small screens. On a small screen, I can only see a little tiny bit of the recipe. I can see five lines of the recipe. Yeah, the... the I sort of left that intentionally broken so that I'll have something to fix in next week's sample solution. Can I make a suggestion? I you think can. the title's way too big, and I've kind of always thought that. It's just screaming roasted cucumber at me instead of going, roasted cucumber. I would cut that down by like 75%, but I don't like big fonts. Yeah. and Except when they're the text, and then I want to be able to read them. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you, you love big fonts. Um, yeah, no, the, the, that header is a definitely still a problem with my recipe as it stands on small screens especially. So that is something that I have left for me to fix in next in the next challenge. <laughs> okay, good, good. So I didn't want to hurt your feelings. but it Oh, no, no, no. That's, uh, yeah, I, I am well aware of how silly that looks on a small screen right now. Okay. Um, so call 12, call LG9, followed by call 12, call LG3. That works. That is correct. Functional does what I want. But there is actually a shorter way to do that that works exactly as well but is easier to tinker with. Hmm. So what you can do is for the second column, just leave it at call, which basically means automatically take up whatever's left over at any breakpoint. So if I replace the second one with call, I can leave my first one as call 12, call LG9, and it works perfectly. And if I change my mind that I want it to be call LG8, I don't have to also change the second one to uh, four, I guess. I don't have to do the math. I just right, basically right. say the second one, you will get the rest. And then all I have to do is tweak the breakpoints in the first one. And so that's actually easier, because especially when I was tinkering, it was very painful to be scrolling up and scrolling down and scrolling up and scrolling down. Now, in this case, they were very close together, but in the real world, there could be like 100 lines of glop between the two columns. And then you're always scrolling up and scrolling down and trying to do your mathematics, subtract from 12. Whereas if you leave one of them on auto, then there's no scrolling. You just tweak, look, tweak, look. So that's just a little tip. I have to say, I'm quite pr- I'm patting myself on my little pumpkin head right now because that's exactly what I did. I made the second one. I don't have to do any math. Let me do that one. You Brilliant. Know, arithmetic is not my uh, my favorite subject. So Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that seemed to be logical to me to do that. And, and I also want to give a, another... Shout out to something you did in your original notes, and so I did it in mine, was when I designed my page layout, I put comments everywhere. I'm opening the row for the header. I am closing the row for the header. I'm closing the first container for the header. And and now having been a couple of weeks before I went back and looked at it, I'm like, oh, what is all this? Oh, look, it says right there what that is. Yeah, comments are for future you. They're, they're not for anyone else. They're not for getting full marks in your assignment or whatever. They are for future you, and future you will thank you very, very much that you have bothered. <laughs> I did. Thank you, me. Yeah. Oh, like, I mean, I'm at the moment in work, I'm doing a lot of coding, and it makes me so happy when the me from a year ago who last who last worked on this code that I'm working on now 
took the time to write some comments because there's a few very obscure things where there's a few APIs that have evolved organically over the 15-year lifetime of an open source project. Oh, wow. That doesn't mean it evolved sensibly. (laughs) And I had to do a lot of tweaking a year ago, and I wrote into the comments exactly why this code looks so dumb. And I got to it, and my immediate thought was, oh, I have to refactor this. This is awful. And then I read the comment, and I went, oh, ah, I just avoided a landmine here because I would have broken everything. Anyway. Back out of the room. Don't touch anything. Don't touch it. Yes, I know. This is horrible code. I I guess I knew I would not like the look of this code when I saw it next. And I was dead right. I didn't like the look of the code at all. (laughs) So I wrote a note to myself saying, do not stop. Step away from the code. (laughs) Anyway, so let us rewind and have a look at the bootstrap utility and content classes and how they apply to or how some of them have breakpoint support. So all of them that do have breakpoint support follow a simple rule. And it's a rule that is actually consistent with how call works. So the rule is, if there is a breakpoint supported, it will always be the second thing in the in sort of the chunks of the name. So if you imagine this, the minus sign as being what breaks the name of a bootstrap class into pieces... The second piece will be the breakpoint, if possible. And that's how call works, right? So call on its own applies to all breakpoints. Call dash one applies to all breakpoints. But if you wanted to make automatic at a certain size, it's call dash MD would be automatic only at medium. If you want to make it four at medium, it's call dash MD dash four. So the MD, if it's present, is always in position number two. And thankfully, that's also true when we wind back to the utilities. So the first ones that we can do at different breakpoints are the display utility classes. And so we've seen the basic form of display. It was d-sum-value. So d-block for making something behave like a block-level element. d-inline for making something behave like an inline. d-flex for making something behave like a flex box. d-none to make it poof out of existence. But it was always d d minus value. Well, if you want to only make it inline at a certain size, it's d-md-inline. And then it will only inline from medium and bigger. Or you could say d-none medium and bigger, and then you would have something which is visible on a phone and invisible everywhere else. So why wait, might you want to do wait, that? Wait, say, say that one again? D-none? No, D-MD-none would say, for everything medium and above, display is none. Oh, that's weird. So imagine, okay, so on a, on a normal screen with a mouse, you can hover over things and it can give you helpful little hints like, you know, if you click me, bloody blah thing will happen. And screen readers are perfectly fine with, 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 with old text like that. But on a touch interface on a phone, there is no way for you to get that information. So maybe you would actually put an extra little piece of text next to whatever it is explaining what to do. But that will be clutter on a bigger screen. So you could have it vanish out of existence. Oh, that's bizarre. Isn't it? Uh, Another one you can have with breakpoints are the float utilities. So we're familiar with float-value, i.e. float-left, float-right, and float-none. Well, you can also have float-md-left, which means it will only float left from medium 
and above. And that actually is a very sensible thing to want to do because on smaller screens, you probably don't want a floating image because there's no room for readable text, right? You'll have like three letters, everything hyphenated, a horrible mess. So it's probably not a bad thing to have your figures be full width on a small screen and then only when the screen goes above a certain breakpoint to have a jump to be a floating Im- a floating figure yeah. instead. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to do a worked example that does that gives you an example of making something float sometimes. And it's very powerful. Okay, Okay, so the next one that has support for breakpoints is the spacing utilities. So spacing means margin and panning. Uh, And just a reminder, margin is inside of the border. No, I've got it backwards. Like, ah. (laughs) Well, you said uh, whatever you do, you you always just try it and and flip it. Yeah, I I keep doing it. And I I think you've had trouble with it as well. So it's... Oh, yeah, I've I've got no idea which one. Content... So if you start in the middle, it's your content, then your padding, then your border, then your margin. So the padding is inside the border, and the margin is outside okay. the border. Anyway, uh, so we, the first time we learned of them was the ability to change those for every single side by the same amount. And so that was simply the type you wanted, which was P for padding, around for margin, minus sign, how much? So M-0 meant no margin on any side. And we had M, you know, I see we could have P-5 for a really wide padding on all four sides. And then we learned that you could actually mush together as part of the first term the padding you wanted, you know, whether you wanted padding or margins and what side you wanted on. So ML is margin left, MB is margin bottom. And then the confusing ones are MX, which means margin on the X axis, which is left and right. Or say PY, which is padding on the Y axis, which is top and bottom. And so you'd have like MX-5 is A, a nice car, and B, it is uh, margin 5, left and right. So there is also a uh, breakpoint aware variant, which is basically your, you know, your, your type, so your M or your P, and then optionally a side, and then the minus sign, and then your breakpoint, then another minus sign, and then your size. So you could have, say... MT-MD-5, which would mean that for medium and above, the top margin is 5. So it becomes quite powerful, actually. You know, so very few letters with a lot of meaning there. Yeah, yeah. And the reason this is important is because of the ability to have floats happen at different breakpoints, particularly is one of the reasons. There's other reasons too. But if you have something that's not floating, you're going to want a different padding around it than when it is floating. And when it is floating... If you're floating it to the right, then you don't want any padding on the right because you want it to go to yeah. the H. <laughs> but I've always been too lazy to know which one was it. Ah, okay, it's not going to be lined up right on the right. <laughs> yeah, well, now it makes it a lot fix. easier. Now it's easy to fix. Yeah. Um, the other thing which you can change depending on breakpoint, and I think this is probably also most useful if you're floating or not floating, is you can actually change the text alignment. So on small screens, you could have it left aligned and on large screens, right aligned, which is probably not what you're actually realistically going to do. But you might have it centered on some sizes. And then when you float, you might go the other way or whatever. So you can have, so you're used to being basically text dash the direction you want. So text dash left or text dash right. Well, you can also have text dash MD dash left. Or text-md-center. Huh. I like the way you show notes say text-md-center to c-e-n-t-r-e, text on medium width windows. <laughs> yeah, because I write in European English, but Bootstrap but is in American English, in uh, English. And basically okay. autocorrect puts them all the European way, and I only uncorrect the Bootstrap. <laughs> 
I'm glad you noticed that because it's a subtlety most people wouldn't notice. Yeah. Uh, and then the last thing that is breakpoint aware breaks all the rules. But it breaks all the rules because otherwise it would be silly. So we learned that you can make a table responsive, as in give it a horizontal scroll bar by give by wrapping the whole table in another element, usually a div, and giving the wrapper, the class, table-responsive. Well, you can only have the horizontal scroll bars appear from a certain breakpoint down, which is the opposite of how everything else we've learned has worked. It's always been medium and up. This is the one thing where it's medium and down. And conveniently, it's also the one thing where the breakpoint isn't second, it's third. And thankfully, because it breaks both rules, I find it easier to remember. So to make your table have a horizontal scroll bar for medium and smaller, it's table-responsive-md. And the scroll bars will go away for LG and XL. And you're saying it makes you happy because MD isn't the second word. Yeah. It, it isn't table-md-responsive. So since it's backward, your brain goes, oh, wait, wait, this is the one that goes the other way. Exactly. So the MD is on the wrong side. Therefore, everything's going backwards. And my brain is okay with that. If it looked the same as all the others but behaved the opposite, I think my brain would explode. <laughs> but if you think about it logically, you want the scroll bars not to appear on bigger screens. You want them to disappear on bigger screens. So it would be really yeah. weird if the, if it was the other way around. So I, I get why they broke their own rule for that one. But anyway, it's still a bit weird. So let's do a worked example to, to make this all seem a bit more sensible. So we're going to use a file in the zip file, pbs59a.html is going to be our starting point. And we're going to do our usual trick of transmutifying it. And then at the very end, they're going to give you the full final version, which is going to be pbs59b if you don't want to do the work yourself. But, you know, you can play along as you listen. Okay. Um, so this is a slightly simplified version of the election re- or the referendum results from our most recent bit of voting in Ireland from back in May. So that gives us an excuse for some maps and some figures and some paragraphs and some tables. It's basically a good excuse to have some content. Um, and we're just going to make that behave a little bit better as we resize the screen. And we're going to use the things we've just talked about today. So the first problem I'm going to solve is that header, which is awfully similar in terms of its problematicness to my recipe. It seems to suffer from very similar problems. <laughs> it doesn't have sticky top, luckily, but it is it is rather gigantic. It is rather gigantic, and it has the, the uh, lead paragraph next to it, which is, again, fine on a big screen. It's actually a good use of space on a big screen to have that lead paragraph um... sitting next to it. It's not next to it. It's under it for me. Sorry, not the sorry, not the lead paragraph. The subheading. My apologies. Yeah, I you meant mean to, on the twenty fifth of May. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I meant to no, say it's subheading. Not, uh, it's not beside it. It's under it. Uh, widen your screen a bit more, and it will be next to it. I'm on a twenty seven inch uh, five oh, sorry, display, that, okay. and I have it full width, and it's not beside I it. I have to take the B all right. I may have forgotten to take the B all right. Anyway, it doesn't matter whether it's beside it or not. What matters is that it, they're both displayed, and it's awfully big. Which is fine on yeah. a big screen. but uh, Wait a minute. Uh, they're both... Disp- oh, do you mean just the word May 2018? Right, yeah, that's one. yeah. Hey, it oh, is next to I it. Said on the, I said on the 25th of May 2018, oh. and you said yes. That's the paragraph below. Okay, now I see it. Yep, it's beside it. Okay, phew. Okay. <laughs> I caught it. Yeah, so that's fine on a big screen. 
But as you go down to a mobile, you know, to smaller and smaller sizes, that starts to become not so fine. Right? It's And the thing is, is it really all that important? Because as you've just very, you know, accurately pointed out, it's right there in the lead paragraph. So is that information actually, you know, it looks pretty on a big screen, but is it actually needed on a smaller breakpoint? The answer is oh. no, it isn't. So I why see don't where you're going? Yeah, so why don't we just make it go away? So you can see the before and after code in the show notes. So before it's just h1 class equals display dash one, and then small class equals text dash muted, which is why the um, May 2018 is in the sort of more muted color. So I like that it's small. Yeah, it's a small print. <laughs> it's like plan. an inch and a half tall. <laughs> small is a relative term, right? Yeah. And in this case, it actually semantically means it's a small print. It's the it's the subordinate part of the headline. Uh, so what I have done is I have added into it um, d-none. So again, Bootstrap is mobile first by default. So d-none means don't display this at all. So when I only put in the d-none, it vanishes completely, as you can test for yourself. Okay, right. And then we put d-lg-inline. Which means that we are saying that for okay, large... Let me try to say it. D-LG-inline. So you're saying for large and above, it will be inline, but smaller than large, it will be beside it. No, it would be none. I mean, I, oh, oh yeah, it will be. Okay. Got you, got you. I was thinking we were going to erase the, the, uh, the none. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so as you resize, it's like, you know, Ireland votes on the 25th of May, perfectly fine on a mobile screen, and then when you get to a big screen, we get the little, oh yeah, and by the way, we have, since we're big enough page here, we can have a second heading. Yeah, that's which is cool. Nice. Yeah, so there's yeah. an example of your display none being useful now. Because I don't think you thought it was very useful before we learned about breakpoints, and you weren't wrong. <laughs> um. And so you you could use that as I say you could do a similar thing to give people some extra some extra tool tips or whatever that are only visible to people on small screens who need a bit of extra help or whatever. So the next problem I want to address is the image of the election posters. Again, you know, as our, in our starting point, uh, I've made it just be one centered image, and in our starting point, that works very well on small screen sizes. So this is kind of the opposite problem. This works fine on a small screen. And then as we begin to go bigger and bigger, it's not so fine. It starts to become a bit of a problem. You know, it's a little weird because it's indented some and then, but smashed up against the border on the right as you shrink it in. Yeah, there's something weird going on there, actually. Not quite centered. Well, it looks centered, though. When you get down below a certain size, it's... uh, Yeah, I I think the image may just be too big at some sizes. I, yeah, I may have caused that because basically the photo is actually stupidly large. So I did a bit of a hack right. to make it not look too big. And that bit of a hack may be breaking this. So the hack I did was I actually put some inline CSS uh, that says uh, max dash width of 550px. Uh, so that may actually be causing the problems here. I may have done this to ah. myself. <laughs> I could have okay. resized the image, but it's hot linked. So I didn't want to download it and then have to put an image into the zip files. So basically, I'm too lazy, and that may have broken things. <laughs> okay. Uh, but it, it, it's behaving like I described for most of the breakpoints. Right. Uh, but what we'd really like, actually, is that on large screens, it actually just becomes a float. And it floats to the right. 
So as it stands, the code is just basically figure d dash block mx five text dash center. So do you want to have a go at decoding that? Uh, yes. Okay. So it says it's um, display as block, not inline, mm-hmm. for all sizes, and then a, a margin in the x direction, so on either side of five, mm-hmm. and then it centers the text underneath it. Yeah. And we give it the class figure to say opt into the opinionated bootstrap styling of figures. Right. So right. figure class equals figure d dash block mx5 text dash center. So what we actually want to do is that when our screen hits the large breakpoint, we want it to become a float right. And so we can do that by adding float dash lg dash right. And once, the, once we do that, it will float to the right and you'll see that in action. But it still has an mx5 which means that it has a very wide margin on the right. And we were just told it to float to the right, so it is very badly misindented. <laughs> like, it's the problem yeah. you described, but on steroids. Yeah. So we can't ignore it. We actually have to fix it. So the way you fix it is by setting a margin right. Well, actually, also the margin left is too big as well, right? A five margin is fine for a centered full width image, but a margin five is actually too much on a float. So we need to set the left, or sorry, the, the right margin to nothing and the left margin to something smaller than five. And we can do that because the margins are also breakpoint aware. So we need M or dash LG dash zero. Do you want to decode that? Uh yeah, I was doing it wrong to start with. Um, I was going to do mx dash lg dash zero. So margin on the right for large screens and above is going to be z- non-existent. Mm-hmm. And then ml dash lg dash three. So margin on the left becomes three because if you made the one on the left yeah. zero, the text would smash into the image, which wouldn't be pretty either. Right, right. Okay. I like how easy this is to write because you can just fiddle with it. Right? You're not like, yeah. oh, I'm so exhausted from writing all that HTML or CSS. I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, and it, that it's is fine. That is the reason the classes for margin and stuff are so short, because you use them so bloody often. It's, let's save the keystrokes yeah. there. And that basically does the trick. And then the final thing, just to sort of give an example of it in use, is uh, at the moment, our table at the bottom, the massive big table of all the detailed results, is resp- has has been told that it's allowed to have a scroll bar horizontally at all screen sizes. It doesn't actually have one at all screen sizes, but it's been told it's allowed to. And actually... Can I stop you really quick uh, before you move on? Why is there such a big margin underneath the figure, uh, uh, the the fig caption? Why is there such a large underneath the fig caption? It's quite, it's bigger than, it's like, if you had given it a number, I would have called it a five. But I don't see it in there. My screen. At which breakpoint are we looking? So when I'm in the larger screens. Uh, Okay. I think that uh, I think that's a result of how it's floating. So basically, it's deciding it's not going to allow that other letter to float underneath it. Okay, because it never like the the paragraph the last paragraph second last paragraph says on twenty three May CNN reported mm. two lines of that are still are are chopped out or you know are it's floating into those even though they're really almost underneath it at least one of them is but the other one doesn't ever yeah. there's clearly a, a thing around it it's the browser deciding it doesn't quite want to wrap that bottom line around it yeah. yeah. 
Because I didn't actually set a, I didn't actually alter the bottom margins at all. They're just the defaults for right, right. For a That's why I was surprised. I don't see it in there. Yeah, so they're the defaults for how a figure behaves. So I guess a figure by default right. has a large bottom margin. Yeah. Okay. All right. So on to our table. Yeah. As if you want to play around, actually, you could say um, you could put into the figure m dash m b dash l g dash one or zero even. Actually, MB. if you set it to zero, you'll wait. What's what's MB again? So margin bottom, margin bottom. Oh, yeah. So you're saying if I said MB dash zero dash LG dash zero, let's not mess with things. Well, even well, no, because nope, if you that, make it, even if I do, yeah, nope, that doesn't get rid of it. Then there might be a padding inside the fig caption because that would also get in the way there. Interesting. When it's uh, when it's at smaller sizes, mm-hmm. the margin, the bottom margin, doesn't look as big. I think it is as big. The thing is, it looks correct because you actually want a big margin underneath it at the smaller size. No, it's one line of text below. It's like one line is missing. Is about what it is on the smaller screens, but on the bigger ones, it's it's fully two lines. Well, I think that's only because there's a paragraph break there making it look bigger. I think it actually Possibly. is the same size. It's just that because it's landing on the paragraph Possibly. break, that same size is looking too big. So I do think actually yeah. that um, if you open it in Safari, you could figure out with the little the little uh, crosshairs tool whether it's margin or padding. My guess is it's <laughs> it's padding inside the uh, fig caption. Padding uh, that you introduced, or is no, no, part by of that? default. Oh, it's definitely nothing I introduced. It's definitely from the default okay. styling of. Figures. Uh, you know what I. I just got rid of the uh, the paragraph marker between those two just to see if that's what it was, and I think it is. It's just it's one line of text, so it it just looks a little bit funny. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And if we were, good, to, you know, if, good we were, learning. if we were pixel peeping in a real website, we probably would spend the time trying to figure that out, right? Yeah. Okay. So now onto the table. Yeah. So the table we told it it uh, it is allowed to scroll. It doesn't necessarily scroll. Yeah. And at the moment, it's allowed to scroll at any size. It feels like it. But instead, what we've just basically done is we said, yeah, I'm going to be opinionated here and I want you to not scroll unless we get down to a size of large or smaller and then you're allowed to scroll. And so the effect that will have is it will start putting stuff onto two lines instead of one line until it gets down to the small size and then it will go into scrolly mode. Okay, so and we do that with table-responsive-lg. So that's, since the words are backwards, we know that large, it means large and smaller. Yeah, exactly. And that goes on the <laughs> wrapper, not on the table itself. Oh, oh, right, 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 right. Okay. So basically, the responsive table class is just weird in every way because it's on the wrapper yeah. and it's backwards. Other than that, it's perfect. Other than that, it's exactly like everything else. <laughs> that almost feels like it's not on the table at all. It's just really the div class that's doing it. That is actually how it works for real. Yeah, because a table doesn't yeah. actually have the ability to scroll. So you have to wrap the table in something that you then turn into a scrolly thing. So it's, yeah. you're kind of working around the limitations of HTML there, which I guess, you know, Bootstrap has no choice but to do that because, well, that's what it's for. So your challenge is really quite straightforward. Um, apply what we've learned today in any sort of way that makes sense on your particular recipe. And given that everyone's recipe is now so different from everyone else's, it's very hard for me to be more specific. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm distracted by uh, maybe large is bigger than I think. I'm not seeing that scroll until it's really small. Yes, yeah, because it, like it's I'm, allowed to scroll below large, but it's not forced to. 
right? Hmm. A responsive so table dash responsive dash large means if you want to. Yes. So table dash responsive but, means scroll if you think it's needed, Mr. Browser. And LG just basically means you're allowed to once you get to large or smaller. So it is ultimately when the scroll bar appears or not is up to the browser, how the browser decides to deal with that div. Oh, you know what I think I'm having trouble with is it is it scrolling? Well, it's horizontal scrolling, right? So it's not up and down. Yeah, I'm, I, it's it's a code runner problem. That code runner is is scro- it's scrolling the scroll bar out of the way vertically, if that makes any sense. Oh, so it was slipping down and I wasn't seeing it, and I'm like, well, why? And I, so I have to keep telling it to go up each time I widen it. So yeah, no, it is doing what it should be doing. Okay, okay. Yeah, code runner isn't go. exactly you know it's a nice preview, but it's not quite a browser. Yeah, which is fine. Yeah. It's not supposed to be right. Um, so let's let's take a look at where we are in the big picture now. So I've I keep on harping on that Bootstrap is a game of four parts, right? So we have our utility classes, which is where we started. We have our badly named content classes for starting the built-in elements, and we are now finished with the layout stuff, which is basically the grid and the breakpoints. So all that's left is the last leg on the stool, which is bootstrap components, as bootstrap calls them, which are reusable, generic chunks of functionality that web developers are likely to need regularly and often, and it is really convenient that someone else has done them for you. Um, And if you remember back to the very start, I said that um, bootstrap is a collection of CSS classes and a JavaScript library and that it uses jQuery. Well, we're three out of four in terms of the number of components, and we haven't met any JavaScript. In fact, if we scroll up to the head section of this page, the only thing we're importing is the CSS. We've never even imported Bootstrap's JavaScript. And that's because Bootstrap's JavaScript is only really needed for the last leg of the stool, for the components. Oh, okay. Because the components they do all the cool stuff like modal dialogues and dismissible notifications and those carousel thingies that are all the rage on the web these days. And that's that's JavaScript, right? That's stuff swooshing and fading and whizzing, you know, that that's jQuery stuff. jQuery someone else has written for us, but it's still jQuery stuff. <laughs> Nice. This is going to be the, this is the cool stuff, right? This, I mean, a lot of f- this has been cool. It makes our life easier, but it's not, uh, it's not flashy. It's not whiz know? bang. Yeah, the whiz and the bang are about yeah. to approach. Yes. <laughs> Which means that the first thing we're going to have to do next time is learn how to incorporate or how to include into our page the bootstrap JavaScript. It's not difficult to do. And it does also mean that we're going to get to practice some jQuery again. So we're starting for the first time in a while to bring the third thread back in. So we've been doing a lot of HTML, a lot of CSS, but our third thread we've taken a break from. Partly because we needed a break from it. <laughs> um, but it's time to reintroduce that thread. So next time we'll be picking that back up and we'll be, we'll be weaving with three again instead of with two. Uh, it's funny. Just this morning, I was thinking it's been a long time since I've seen any JavaScript going on here. So yeah, well, uh, as terrifying as that is to me. I think this will be more fun, but because it's very visual, right? It's I'm, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it'll be more, there are going to be very short snippets of JavaScript to do specific things. Uh, oh, pro- good. Probably the first thing we'll do, because I think it's particularly useful, and it's something you've seen everywhere, right, thanks to GDPR. How many websites have a little thing that comes up that says, we have cookies, which has a little X, and when you click it, it animates its way out of existence? Yeah, that's all a, of them. Yeah, that's a dismissible alert. Okay. That's 
a bootstrap component. Uh, or rather, Bootstrap provides a component to do that. You could write your own, right? But it's basically a div with some nice Bootstrap styling provided for you by Bootstrap, which has a little clicky thing which Bootstrap turns into a close button. So when you click on the close button, it animates its way out of existence. Using either, I think it's a fade or... I think you have a few choices in the animation, actually. But basically, that is functionality, which is basically a tiny amount of Bootstrap. So I think that'll be the first one we do to sort of get get ourselves excited about bootstrap components. But there's a lot of them because, yes, we're about to enter into the fourth of four sort of categories. Uh, but we have I don't think we're halfway through bootstrap yet. Oh, good. I was afraid we were almost. Oh, done no, 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 I no. didn't know what was coming next. OK, cool. Yeah. A lot, uh, the other thing I have been completely avoiding because it relies heavily on JavaScript is forms. Oh. And Bootstrap does such beautiful things with forms. Oh, such uh-huh. beautiful things with forms, like button groups and all, all very, very pretty things. Uh, Are you learning a lot about about Bootstrap having to teach it to us? Uh, I'm learning a lot about Bootstrap 4, which mostly okay. is a, me basically going, okay, that's the same as Bootstrap 3. But that ceases to be true for certain things we're about to bump into. Basically, the place that becomes the least true of all is in the components, because they really re-engineer the components. So... It's going to become a lot more... I'm going to be learning a lot more in the next few weeks because this is the bit of bootstrap they changed. Okay. Okay, cool. Yes. Well, hey, before we go, Bart, we need to give a shout-out. And can I tell the story before uh, you uh, give the reaction to it? Oh, yes, please. So um, when I was at MacStock, I was approached by a lovely gentleman named Dennis Jurgensen, and he came up and he said, I love programming by stealth. I learned so much from Bart. He's a uh, was a Java programmer, and he's learning JavaScript from Bart, and he would just could not have been more complimentary. I made him say it again on video so I could send it to Bart so Bart could see him in person, and uh, and I thought that was really cool. It was a it was a fun little shout out for you. It was, and it was a, it was a very sweet video, and it made me it made me smile because you know. I'm t- I'm under a bit of stress at the moment, and it was really nice to have a nice little little video. So thank you, um, and thank you for passing it on. And uh, the first I, thing that occurred to me was that, you know, I will always... I haven't written the line of Java in about a decade, but I will always have a soft spot for Java because Java was the language I learned to program in. It was my first language. Ah, okay, okay. Now, well, the other thing I liked about Dennis is I said, so Dennis... How do you how do you like my contribution to this? And he's such a nice guy. He's like, you're special in the way. And I said, so how often are you screaming at your device when I'm talking? He goes, that might have happened. You know, he's just he's well, what really, I love really nice particularly is the pause, and you can sort of you can sort of see the cog. So no, that's not diplomatic. No, that's not diplomatic. Ah, here's how I'll say it. I mean, I I knew, you know, I'm 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 quite self aware of the role I play here, and uh, uh, very he important. Just, role. Yeah, I, so you tell me. But uh, anyway, it was fun watching him squirm, trying not to say. You know, clearly his mama taught me if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. So he was stuck for a little while, which is a lovely. I wish more of the world worked on that principle these days. Um, exactly. I, to make myself feel old. So Java was my first language. But when I learned Java as my first language, it was the hip new kid on the block. And we were the first class to switch from Modular 2 to Java so that we couldn't look at anyone's previous papers because we were the first CS 101 to do Java instead of Modular 2. 
And it oh, was, wow. So you guys were the cool kids in town. We were the cool kids. It was Java 1.1, not Java 1.0. But Java's on like version 10 or 11 or something by now. I, I stopped using Java after Java 6, but I haven't written a line in Java in 10 years. So, yeah. Now I feel old. Well, good. Well, good. <laughs> All right, Bart. Well, I think we're good. And uh, as near as I know, we're talking in a couple of weeks. I am DDO. So two weeks from now, I have already teased you that we're going to have some fun with Bootstrap Components. So uh, until then, happy computing. If you care about good audio, you may have noticed a fairly significant change in my voice halfway through this recording. I'll tell you what happened. Bart and I are recording along. Everything's doing great, but my screen was too dim. So I reached over to my MacBook Pro's touch bar, and normally I can see all three of my monitors. I can see the brightness display thing. There's a little button I press, and I can see all three of them. Um, But for some reason, only two of them were showing. So I tapped another button on touch bar that I've never tapped before. Turns out it's a sleep button. So you probably don't want to push the sleep button while you're doing an audio recording. The effect of going to sleep caused my audio hijack session to quit, which meant I didn't get the first half of the recording. The good news is Bart and I always both do recordings. Normally, we've been doing a double ender now where both of our voices sound good. He sends me the stereo file and I have my stereo file and we put them together and we have the best of both worlds. But this time you got me in the crunchy after the internet connection and Bart sounds clear and pure through the first half. What he's saying is more important than what I'm saying anyway, so that worked out for us. But When I started back up, I did do a recording of the second half, which is why my voice gets so much better about halfway through. Anyway, I thought you guys might enjoy that little bit of inside baseball and what you shouldn't do while you're in the middle of a recording. If you learn as much from Bart each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.